welcome to the official Copper and Blue Pod. I'm your host, Preston Hodgkinson, joined by uh, my lovely co-host, Shona Hickmore and Rob Soria. And uh, hey, the season's here. One game is under the Edmonton Oilers' belt, and it's one win under the Edmonton Oilers' belt. So it's a good start to the season, although it came at a kind of a, a, a weird way. Not uh, how I would have drawn up the first game of the season with the Oilers' uh, letting the Vancouver Canucks go out to a three, nothing lead uh, going into the second period. And then the Oilers roaring all the way back to take the five, three victory off the back of a Connor McDavid hat trick and a pretty, pretty solid performance. I think by the new starting goalie and Jack Campbell, especially after the uh, first two goals went in, I thought he settled in nicely. Um, yeah. So just quick thoughts here on the, Kind of a, a weird opening game for the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, like it's a little Oilers typical. It's the most dramatic way to kind of come into the season. You know, you go down and then you have your phenomenal player like battle to bring you back into it. And then you go on and, you know, win the first game. So uh, I, I won't say it's Oilers typical, but I've definitely, uh, you know, in the last little bit seen this kind of. Uh, progression of uh, of a game from the Oilers before. Yeah, I would agree. It was, uh, yeah, not the greatest start, obviously. Um, but first game of the season, um, yeah, and I, I honestly, I think you're going to see some games like this with the Oilers this year. Um, they're at that stage in their development where they're pretty good. And I think they realize they're pretty good. And you can win games during the regular season when you got players as good as they do. Uh, by playing like 20 minutes a night so that I think this is going to happen once in a while this year and yeah I agree Campbell uh well I didn't think he was I know everyone I know I think he himself said the first two goals were soft but I, I think Campbell is one of those guys who's every goal that gets past him he's going to say he should have had pretty much so um he did look a little nervous at first but he looked really good the rest of the game like he just solid positionally in his movement and that's a big big deal for me so yeah i think i think the the only goal you can really say he got beat on was that jt miller goal on the second vancouver goal the first one elias peterson it was off a turnover from dylan holloway on his first shift of all of all players to turn it over of course it's holloway in his first uh, regular season game and uh it was just elias peterson uh sticking with it and uh, finding that loose puck is a a bunch of a confusion in front of the net. So, you know, you could maybe give them a little bit of a break on that first one. And then of course that Kuzmenko goal at the start of the second was just leaving a guy all alone in front of the net and letting him tap it in. So can't really uh, fault him all that much. And uh, the way power plays that many power plays are lucky. Oh yeah. I think one, what was it? One for eight, the Canucks were eight penalties for the Oilers in the opening game, which you could just shake off as, you know, it's the first game of the season. Everyone is a little sloppy not watching where the sticks are, but we did see this a few times in preseason. So you hope they, they nip it in the bud here uh, pretty quick and uh, get back to, you know, the standard, maybe three, four penalties a game and not eight. Yeah. Um, Well, they got lucky on their first goal, right? Cause that should have been a penalty too. Yeah, absolutely. But um I think I heard, uh, I was listening to Friedman and Merrick and Merrick made a good point. You know, that happened. It sucked. They did miss a call on Kane there, but at that point it was three two Vancouver. It wasn't like that was the game, uh, no. the game right there. So it's just, and, and we've been on the opposite end of that, of that type of call plenty of times. Um, so no sympathy lost uh, 
no sympathy for the uh, the Vancouver Canucks on that one. But speaking of uh, power plays and special teams, the Oilers just continued right right where they left off uh, in guard in regards to their power play. Um, Three nothing was the score. They would get two quick power plays. They get two quick goals. I believe they were on the power play for what a combined twenty some seconds. They they made quick work of both those power plays. They got them right back into the game. Uh, their good players were their best players. Um, Connor McDavid, like I said, I think he had four points. He got to seven hundred points uh, in his career with three goals and an assist. And Leon Dreisaitl was right behind him all night. He got three points as well with I believe a goal and two assists. Um, so yeah, it's nice to see, uh, the big guns, um, continuing to produce. And, uh, another guy I really loved all night, other than McDavid, Dreisaitl and Campbell was Zach Hyman. I think he came in and played exactly how you expect Zach Hyman to play. And, uh, for a player that a lot of people think will regress in the next few years, he didn't show signs of it in the opening game. Well, I mean, like, I guess it's interesting because a lot of people think Hyman will regress in the next few years, but I guess it'll, for me, like that thinking is, yeah, of course he's, he's going to get older. He's going to get a step slower, but you know, depending on who he's playing with, he could, you know, who he's playing with and, and kind of like the mentality he's playing with, he could just continue to be a very effective player. Right. Like, um, yeah, you know, theoretically, you know, Connor McDavid is eventually going to become less of a hockey phenom. And, you know, all of these things are, are going to happen because um, as far as we know, time's kind of linear. So uh, it's going to happen. But I think um, like kind of being like, oh, Hyman's due to, you know, regress is, is, a little bit putting the cart before the horse because um, we don't have any evidence of that yet. Yeah. Right. So when he starts to have off years or he starts to have long off stretches or when he stops clicking with guys that he's been playing really successfully with, okay, then talk to me about Hyman regressing. Do I expect that it'll happen? There'll be some sort of drop in play quality by the time he finishes his um, contract in Edmonton. hundred percent. I do. Um, that's just the way you know, the wear and tear of being a, an NHL hockey player works. Um, but I don't necessarily think that that means he has to become ineffective or sorry guys that his contributions to the team can't be, you know, very meaningful. I think it just means that, and I think Hyman's a smart enough player to be able to do this where he adjusts his game to be more effective in, in ways, you know, if you don't have foot speed, how do you adjust your game to be more effective positionally or something like that, right? Like Hyman has all the tools I think he needs to continue to be quite um, impactful for the Oilers, whether it's the same way he currently is or, you know, in different ways. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for me, Hyman is, you know, Hyman, I don't think we're going to see any regression from Hyman for at least another four years. So I think we're, we're a long ways away from that. So I think he'll be even better this year. Uh, the one thing that you notice right away in this game, um, and I think we're going to see it constantly throughout the year is the head coach is going to ride his, who he deems his four best players up front. And I guess you can go five if you include nurse in that. Um, but 
I think safe to say McDavid, Dreisaitl, Hyman, and Kane are going to carry the brunt of the minutes. Even strength-wise, I think I think Leon might play a little less this year, even strength, just because he's playing both special teams, even though he's probably, I guess, the second second option on the PK. And I think you're going to just see McDavid and Kane used heavily at five-on-five, five, right? And Hyman, again, plays both as well. So I think those four guys, uh, Nuge to a lesser degree, just because he's going to carry a chunk, a bigger chunk of PK time. Um, but yeah, even if you look at the minutes from last game, um, those four guys and Nurse were heavy, heavy minute, minute guys. And I think that's going to be the – and we saw it in the playoffs. Like uh, Woodcroft – when and again yesterday it didn't take long he throws guys together right and uh you have those guys at your advantage whether it always works or not i know sometimes people will just look at the goals for goals and against and all that but some of it i think is also even if they don't score or get scored on it just changes the tide right it gives them momentum um and then we go from there so but yeah i think i have a really good year I also think that, you know, some of that who you put out when for how long is is definitely supposed to rattle other teams, yep. right? Um, you know, hockey isn't chess. It's not, you know, all in someone's mind. But um, I do think there's a lot of games, gamesmanship that goes on 100%. Like, otherwise, you know, we wouldn't have coaches like Daryl Sutter making some of the preseason comments we've heard out of Sutter this this summer you know which are are to me just pure um pure games gamesmanship right like um and i'm not saying it's a bad thing i actually think you know it's, it's certainly interesting but i think that there is a certain kind of oomph to being able to roll something like uh you know dry saddle and mcdavid if you need to or mcdavid puyarby and kane or or hyman mcdavid you know, Kane or whatever it is that Woodcroft wants to roll because um, those are, you know, very, if you're looking down it as another team, that's a very imposing thing to be trying to counter. And right. So like the deployment of it is especially heavy deployment. Oftentimes I think is a lot of shock and awe tactics, which is fine as long as, as long as you're you're not you know burning your players out before what Rob would consider the real season, um, yeah. um, so I think you know that's fine. You shock and awe, you know. In essence, you know, carpet bomb your or use carpet bombing offense. But I think Woodcraft has to be careful because um, a little bit, a little bit careful because you know there's the rec- there's got to be the recognition that. Edmonton fans aren't the only ones that know that these are fantastic players. Like other teams will be looking to limit them and maybe not always in the most legal in the hockey sense ways, right. Or in the least risky, like there's a certain liability, like, um, and I'm not saying anyone would go out with intent to injure, but we all know that, um, because we've heard it from players before that there's lots of times where they go out with an intent to like 
complete a check or to get the puck free or to go into the boards hard. And then a guy's coming out with, you know, a broken collarbone um, or they're going into the boards and it's like, you know, a twisted knee or, you know, sprained ankle or something like that. Right. So I think um, it's more, and it's a lot for the players to just, you know, and Woodcraft to be aware of, like, they need to keep their heads up and they need to, to play smart and limit the chances for them as much as they can while still playing their game to get hurt. Right. I think they all need to do that. Like across the NHL <laughs> blanket mandate, like do your best to protect yourselves while playing your very dangerous game on knife shoes. Yeah. No, for right. sure. And, and the, the ice time did show that uh, the top guns, like Rob was saying, did play the most, of course, on defense. No surprise here. Darnell Nurse led the way with 26 minutes. Right behind him on the defense was uh, his partner, Cody CC with 24. On forwards, it was Connor McDavid with 23 minutes, followed by Leon Dreisaitl, I believe, with 21 minutes. And then uh, Kane, 20 uh, Zach Hyman 21 I don't think we should get used to Zach Hyman playing 21 minutes every night I think he got a lot of ice time because of the amount of time that Oilers spent on the penalty kill and yeah. I think that's why I noticed him more often because he's been I think Edmonton's best penalty killer for the last year and a half if not the last two years I, I don't know if we started him on the penalty kill at the beginning of last season but he's become a hell of a PKer um, so I don't think we should expect him playing that much that often but you're completely right. Um, you know, having your top guys up there like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisel, they have a target on their back no matter where they play. If you play them more often, yeah, the, the risk of injury is going to be there. And do you want to risk that injury this early into the season? Maybe in games where, like this one, you find yourself down in a hole early on and you're you have to lean on them a bit more. I would also like to see uh, Woodcroft have some more consistent lines. And I understand why he reverted to Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid on a line early on. It's kind of a unique situation when you find yourself down that early and you need to claw your way back. And that's an easy way to jumpstart your team. But I, I really want to see Puliarvi get an extended look with McDavid and Kane. I thought he was good in the 12 minutes, almost 13 minutes he played last night. I think he was a casualty of uh, all the penalties and having his ice time go down a little bit because of it, because he's not a regular penalty killer. I, I thought he played fantastic. I thought he set up uh, Hyman a few times. He set up uh, Kane a few times on, on chances that just missed. He had a chance of his own in the first period that he was robbed of uh, from Thatcher Demko. So I thought Puliarvi also had a pretty good game, and um, despite not showing up on the score sheet. Um, but I, I guess that goes back to our, our criticisms of him last year. Um, plays good, has a fantastic impact, just can't get on that score sheet. Um, I'm interested to see what happens with him once Kyler Yamamoto is healthy enough. Uh, they were also without Warren Fogel, so uh, I, I imagine a guy like Brad Malone comes out of the lineup when that happens. Um, but yeah, it, it was an interesting game all around. Uh, Dylan Holloway was a guy a lot of people had their eye on, especially because he was in the top six to start uh, yesterday's game, or I guess it, it won't be yesterday when this comes out, but to start the opener, he only had eight minutes. And uh, of course, the big highlight was him giving the puck away on his first shift. So um, I don't think we should read too much into it. I think the best is yet to come from, from Dylan Holloway. Um, I mean, but, but yeah. Easy thing. Like, okay, first game, 
nerves, right? You know, what's the worst thing that can happen? You can give up the puck and it can lead to a goal. Well, great. The worst thing's already happened. So there's nowhere to go but up from here. Yeah, right? just take it on so. the chin. It's a learning experience. It happens to everyone in the league. It happens to Connor McDavid every once in a while. I do, I do think it's one of those things where, you know what? Um, and maybe we've seen it in Oilers rookies more because some of our coaching staff have been very, um, like when you make a mistake, you're done for a bit kind of coaching staff. But Oilers rookies uh, have had this kind of hesitancy to do anything because they're afraid of making a mistake. Well, great. You, you made a, a wonderfully or egregious mistake. You've done it. You're good. Now it's just, it's in the past. You can't, you know, you can't remake your first mistake off. You go to, you know, playing hockey, right? Like stop yeah. worrying about it. You did it. Right. Yeah. I think it's uh, um, at least recently for Oilers rookies, that idea of a mistake costing them something has kind of been um, hanging above their heads and great hallway. You you've dispatched that one really quickly. So uh, now you can go on to doing not that. Yeah. And it's his first NHL game. He was never going to play a whole ton of minutes. Anyways, eight minutes is still a respectable amount. Shane Wright over in Seattle only played what I believe it was like five or six minutes. And he was a, a first round pick last year was supposed to go first overall. So, well, I think, I think too, a big thing with him minutes wise was just like you said, Preston, part of it was score and, but part of it was all the penalty killing. Yeah. Him, they right? really, that really screwed everything up for normal line to play. Yeah. For sure. So then you have to, the combination of the two and even Pugliarvi, like, yeah, Pugliarvi only played 13 minutes, but he was fifth for even strength among forwards, which is yeah, he what he should be. Still right? played quite a bit of minutes despite the situation. I think he could have gotten up to, to maybe 15. So he, he got pretty close. Yeah, he's he's not going to play as much as McDavid or Drysaddle or Kane or Hyman. Like he's just not. Yeah. So then it becomes that next. He should more often than not be fifth, hopefully, on that list at even strength. So, and yeah, Holloway. Yeah, I got the you know, but whatever happens, he's. I think Holloway's going to get plenty of ice time and plenty of looks. But game one was not it. Yeah, just a welcome to the NHL moment. Um, yeah, and like I said, you, every player goes through that. We've seen a couple of rookies go through that yesterday on other teams. Yeah. Um, so I, I, if it was a veteran, if this was uh, Evander Kane making that that play, maybe I'd be a little more tough on him. But considering the situation, I, I don't think we should read too much into it. Speaking of Kane, um, he was a player that I thought started the game very slow. Uh, kind of in tune with the rest of the team. He seemed a little slow, a little out of it, was just missing some passes, just wasn't looking great. But as the game started to go on, you started to see him get more of a rhythm. He was more involved. He had a few very good looks on net and um, ends up getting a, a kind of a gimme point on that empty net that he could have scored on, but he was unselfish and gave it to, to Connor McDavid to complete the hat trick. Uh, I'm interested to, see, to hear what you guys thought about Kane. Because like Campbell, I thought it was kind of a story of two different games for him. Kind of sloppy, slow in the first half, and then started to pick it up once he settled in. No, I try not to think about Evander Kane as much as I can. <laughs> I know, I know. But Good for my mental health to ignore his existence. <laughs> but again, I think um, when I do have to think about Evander Kane, I think of Evander Kane as very much um, you know, 
everyone before you start screaming for my blood, let me finish the parallel. Evander Kane is very much in my mind, um, similar to a player like Zach Cassian, where the energy in and around a thing is very important to how much jump Evander Kane sometimes has. Like, I'm not saying he can't, you know, be kind of the battery that jump starts a team. But one of the things is like, if people around him are playing very well, he plays very well. But if or what's happening around him is a little bit sluggish, then maybe he's going to be a little bit sluggish. That's, and I'm, I'm not saying this is a negative thing. I think Evander Kane paces, oh, I'm going to wretch saying this, um, paces his line mates very well. So um, like, you know, if, if you're, um, if you have Connor McDavid as a line mate and you're pacing someone who's fantastic, it's fantastic because, you know, you're generally at an elevated level. So I think that slow sluggish start is more like this is kind of the energy of everything. And he's kind of at that level. And when it starts to pick up, he starts to pick up. Um, like I said, I do think he does have the ability to like um, pivot those kind of moments where he then jump starts them. But again, it's the first game. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. But like generally, a lot of the things I noticed about Evander Kane is he is at a similar level of energy, of play as like the people around him, which is great when you've got a team that plays at a really high level. He is lucky enough to normally be with line mates that play at a really high level. So, yeah, I think that's a fair analysis, actually. Yeah, he was he was a little throw up. He was a little sluggish yesterday, but Kane again. Kane does three things very well. Skates usually well. Didn't yesterday so much. Engages physically. He did a little bit of it and score goals. So I know I saw some people on Twitter saying the way, oh, he needs to he needs to keep up to so and so. No, he doesn't. He does not need to keep up. That's not that's not who he is. That's not what he needs to do. He doesn't need to keep up to McDavid at all. Guys play whatever role they play on that line. His role is to finish and create space. And that's what he'll do. So, you know, like he doesn't need like these at times he'll keep up. Yes. But cause he can skate, but it depends on where he's coming from. Right. He doesn't have McDavid type wheels. Um, but yeah, he exactly. He plays a role and from an on ice standpoint, more often than not, he's going to do it. There are going to be a bunch of games where he doesn't look very good, but he'll probably end up with two or three points. Um, he's going to score his fair share of goals. I guarantee you against Calgary, he'll be noticed from the get-go, even without Kachuk there. Um, and even yesterday, granted, hits don't really mean anything, but yeah, he led them again with hits. I think he had eight. Pugliarvi had five, and Pugliarvi actually, you could tell he almost made, it looked to me he was making an actual he went out of his way to be a little more physical. Cause I know that's part of the thing the team wanted him to do at the end of the season, they asked him and uh, yeah, but yeah, overall Kane was what he was like the rest of them. He wasn't great. And the only two guys up front that really stood out were those, the main two horses really. And Hyman yeah. played well. And like you said, Pugliarvi and his limited time did what he did well. Like he always does. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I hate talking, um, when when Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl have fantastic games, it feels redundant to it's ho hum, man. Ho hum. Yeah, it feels redundant to to sit here and be like, oh man, Connor McDavid had such a great game. And still with Leon Draisaitl, they're so good. Because that's just what they do. It's every game. <laughs> and I'm not complaining about it, no matter like 
I, I think not easy. every game, Preston, because <laughs> you can watch the Oilers, uh, uh, elements of the Oilers fan base, like literally explode into little like uh, volcanoes of of pure ire if they have an off game. <laughs> well, they yeah. only do that if the Oilers lose. Because let's not get ourselves like even yesterday. I didn't think McDavid was great yesterday. He was okay. Yeah, he got three goals, but he he was nowhere near his best. Drysaddle, I thought in the first half of the game was better than he was, but even Leon wasn't great. But you're right, Shona. But that only comes out if they lose. If they lose, or, it's those two guys. Or um, the other thing that comes out it comes out is if someone you know consistently. Um, we heard a lot about it, like when Kane first arrived last last year. Was it only last year that I had to acquire this eye twitch? Um, and Kane went on a, a just a, a tear, scoring goals, and everyone was like, "Well, where's Connor?" You know, like, um, and it always strikes me as as a little bit funny because uh, where Connor was there was in a lot of the times doing the setup for Kane to score goals, but. Like there's this supposition that um, for Connor McDavid to be playing his best hockey, Connor McDavid must be the one leading the score sheet. And you know, I think in a lot of cases that that's not actually, you know, does Connor McDavid play some excellent hockey when he scores a ton? Yes, he does. But he also plays some excellent hockey, and he may barely be on the score sheet. Um, like the same with well, not Drysaddle is a little uh, different for me. I think Drysaddle oftentimes is more impactful when he's like, you know, driving play and centering around scoring. But uh, I do think that uh, especially with McDavid, especially with the way that he's viewed as kind of, um, I don't want to lean too heavily into religious imagery, but very much this, this player that will lead the Oilers to a Stanley cup. Um, Fans get really, weird um, when he's either not on the score sheet for a long time or if they feel like he didn't have a good game and the Oilers lost because of it and they get super duper weird um, if that happens for multiple games in a row. Well, you can, you can kind of see that around when last year the Oilers had that that struggle that led to the firing of Dave Tippett, right? Things got a little weird in Edmonton. We didn't know what the hell was going on. Had a great start, saw that disappear. There was a lot of Doomer, uh, Doomer perspectives. I, I might have taken part of that um, just because it's so easy to. I, I don't understand. I live in a Doom perspective. Then you can be pleasantly surprised, but you're never disappointed. <laughs> Come to the Doom. Well, I think it's just very easy for us to revert to that Doomer perspective, considering the team's history. Um, it's just kind of our default. Things go wrong. It's like, well, well, there's a draft lottery you can look forward to, right? Which is, it's going to take some some time to to get out of it. I think it's uh, we shouldn't go through that same process this year. I hope. Um, I think the team's at a point where they're mature enough, they're developed enough, they have the right coach at the the helm that uh, they can avoid something like that. They have enough talent on this team. They'll win 50 games without even trying. Yeah, that, they, I think we're at a point. Will they? they will. They're I not good. To. If they don't get – if their main players stay healthy, they'll win 50 games. 100%. But I am – still, You're still very, holding on to that very, doom? Well, no, I'm, I'm just very <laughs> used to the Oilers somehow, some way, 
with the magic of something managing to turn a very, very competent set of parts into less than it should be. So well, yeah, um, they, they didn't do but that. They haven't in, but they haven't in recent years. They haven't. In the last mm-hmm. three years, like the team, the team season-wise have been fine. They've been like a top 10-ish team all three years. Isn't like 12, 11, and 11 or something like that they finished? That's what, that's what they are. With that goaltending they had, you couldn't expect for anything more than that. Like, I don't yeah. know how anyone could so yeah yeah but you live in edmonton so you know they were going to win the stanley cup each and every one of those years so yeah well that's the hope right but for people like preston's age like he said he automatically goes to uh, everything goes wrong right and i totally get that whereas with me i kind of i'm both i see that but then i was here long ago when they won so i'm always like, oh, yeah. i'm like hopefully i see remnants of certain things or i'm like yeah these guys are now getting to the point where they're older and yeah age does matter like mcdavid and drysdale are so much better players now than they were even like 2017 like it's not even a discussion point wise it is what it is but they're so much better players and they got better players around them like we were talking about hyman and hyman alone hyman and kane from an offensive standpoint like they've never had guys like that here for well since the dynasty era guys like so yeah and and they have the quality of players like like guys who like Pugliarvi and and Kyler Yamamoto well, yeah. who you can you can realistically be like well there's not enough room for them put them on the third line we haven't had that type of depth in forever to have guys of that quality be almost forced to play bottom six roles because we have talent so much talent in the top six it's I think it's obvious to say it's the deepest team that the the Oilers have had. Dating, I would say even deeper than 2006. I wasn't really around, but it's, like it's literally since the dynasty days. Li- literally, the, it's not even a discussion. Yes. Like it really is. Like, like it's that far back. 2006 was a an interesting team, but a little fluky. Yeah, you know, it was, it was in more some respects a little fluky. It was fluky. more of a, a team of role players who who were able to elevate when when they needed to. There wasn't this much innate skill in that. There, team. 2006 was a weird team. They were fluky and then at the same time had a lot of bad luck because that team was way better than anyone gave it credit for during the season. Again, shitty goaltending will do that. And they no. had shitty goaltending and that wrecked Until, the whole yeah. season. Until no, I the trade deadline, right? When Rolson came in and kind of... He was terrible down the stretch. Though, oh, really? To be honest with you. He was okay. a, he was average at the that. The city... Um, Preston, you would have been wee, but... Uh, the city was like, this is, this is horrible until they got to, until they got, until they started winning. Yeah. Until the playoffs hit and started winning. Yeah. The city was like, fuck this guy. <laughs> Everyone expected them to get pummeled by Detroit. And then once they beat Detroit and that's where Rolson, Rolson probably started to find his game with about five games left in the season. But when he came over, he wasn't very good because he wasn't playing very much in Minnesota. So yeah, it took time, but yeah, that, that team was. Hey, I, I, I feel like um, this deserves a shout out to me. We got however long into this podcast, and that is the first swear word I have said. Yes, it took you a while. I noticed that. I was like, oh, for a while there. I was, like, for me, I was trying to clean it up a bit for the, the first podcast <laughs> of season three. <laughs> um, and, you know, this team, a lot is said about the offense. And I think a lot of people look at the defense and they're like, oh, well, they're the offense first team. Their defense isn't that great. And, you know, the first game, 
maybe you can make that argument that that's the type of team the Oilers are, you know, getting in a hole early on and scoring their way out of all their problems. I don't think this defense is as bad as people say it is. I don't think it's anywhere close to being as bad as people say it is. Darnell Nurse, he had a ho-hum game, I think. Again, like the rest of the team, was kind of sluggish to, to start and then picked it up as the game went on. But he's a good number one defenseman. He's not the best number one defenseman. Is he a $9 million defenseman? No, but he's still a good top pairing defenseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cody Darnell Nurse saw is him. the person that you like as a player, you just don't like the contract that yes, he comes with. Absolutely. It's I hate the contract. Would I do I hate the player? No, he's great on the top top pairing. Cody Cece found his game last year, I think. And somewhat great. He can play some more <laughs> minutes in a defensive role and he pairs well with Nurse. I think that's a fine top pairing. Yeah. And Brett Kulak is a very underrated player. Well, I don't know. He might be so underrated that he's overrated now. I think he's in for a big year. He played fantastic. He made Tyson Berry a competent defensive defenseman. Well, maybe not a competent defensive defenseman, but his defensive results were a lot better. He was way better. Like, it's not a dis- – you can't argue the point. You're right, Preston. Like, and, and I will – He was way better. I will say Tyson Berry is probably that weak point right now on the defensive structure just because his role – we've been saying it since he signed. His role is kind of redundant as the offensive man since we have Evan Bouchard. But, but he's the one. He's the one who's got the power play minutes still. Yeah, so. but he still has a role on this team, and Kulak yeah. makes him an okay, not a good, not a fantastic, not a bad, but an okay fit on that second pair. So I, I really liked Ryan Murray. I yeah, and that's that's well. another point I was going to have. Ryan Murray was probably the defenseman that stood out the most for me last night. Yeah, I, I was happy when they signed him. Like, I'm disappointed Broberg isn't up. But yeah, he struggled a little bit during preseason. From everything I talked to for to about three or four people around the team, it's all the weight thing. It's a lot of muscle and his frame isn't carrying it well right now. So hopefully that adjusts and he gets used to it. I think Clefbaum kind of struggled with the same thing when he added a bit more muscle at first. Yeah. So and you know because they have very similar body types when they were both around that age too, right? Lean. Um, and then yeah, well, you gotta add it, it takes time. So mm-hmm. I don't mind Broberg. I think I don't think Murray can play 80 games. I think he's he'll get hurt. He'll get banged up. Murray's probably like a 40, 50 a game guy. Yeah, um, he'd and, probably be very good in the season. I think the Oilers do need to add a defenseman before the year's over. They're already starting to the rumors there about them grabbing Klingberg at some point. Sure, that I'd be wholeheartedly okay with that at some point. Okay, but um, oh, did you say no? I said, how? how? I'm okay with it. What do you mean? But, how, like, how, how do they what? Grab Klingberg? How do they find the cap? No, well, <laughs> later in the season, the cap doesn't matter. You just, it's, 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 it's math gymnastics. Like right now they're what, got 167 bucks or whatever Holland said. Yes. I know yeah. Toronto had four bucks. So yeah, like whatever it is. Thank you, bucks. You know, any They're not trade. the only team like that, though, right? Like the Leafs are very similar to that. There's about three or four other teams that I think are around 600 bucks or mm-hmm. or less. That's how tight they are it's, to the cap. It's a league-wide oh. thing because COVID fucked up the, the cap situation so badly yeah. that even teams that are near the bottom of the league are struggling with cap. It's, yeah. it's kind of ridiculous. But, you know, if you go for a trade with, Anaheim to get Klingberg because that's where he is I think on a one-year deal he makes seven million dollars that's going to have to be retained 50 percent so we're looking at around 3.5 his cap hit coming in I got trade half of it probably too right 
Yeah. And right? so know, then it becomes a quarter. Yeah. And you know, the Oilers can make a trade like that. If you trade out a guy like Tyson Berry, 4.5, if you get them to eat that and add an asset, maybe a first rounder, if you're really yeah. going for it, that can happen and that can make it work. Even a guy like Warren Fogel, who knows what the future is for him. I think his preseason has bought him some time to prove himself on that third line. I'm curious to see what the hell the lines are once Yamamoto and Fogel come back. It's going to be interesting on the, on the right side, especially. So we'll see where that goes. But the others do have some routes to acquire a player like Klingberg. Well, if you, if you just look at quickly, I just jumped on Cap Friendly to look at expiring deals. So you got Derek Ryan at 1.2, uh, Shores at 850, and that's really it. That are UFAs, right? So you got those two guys too, and then like you said, any of the other guys. Plus they yeah. got your RFAs like Pulley or Fogel or whatever, right? Ryan McLeod, they're obviously not going to trade him. Um, Bouchard, they're not moving him. But point is, they, they can move guys around. Yeah, they well, they can. I just um, it's going it's going to be weird. They'll have to work at it. We haven't really seen Ken Holland do a trade where that's what I was going to say. I don't. He gets really creative with the two thing, but it's that Ken Holland has a very cautious. It's not Kyle Dubas down in um, Toronto throwing a bunch of shit in the blender to get a trade, right? You you know what? I think this. I hope he becomes such. This has to be the year that he makes that. I he did with he did with Kulak though to a degree. Yeah. People yeah, said that was by far his most daring trade. Yeah, but I uh... and I know some said he overpaid for uh, Kulak, which I don't think he did. But the reason he had to add in a little more because people are like, oh, he overpaid for this and that compared to other guys who went. Well, yes, because they got to play around to make stuff work with the cap. That's simple. And, and they got this was a guy that they I I believe. Ken Holland went into his saying, we're going to get this guy and we're going to sign him. So oh, yeah. for, for a rental, yeah, it might look like a little more, but when you consider the deal he signed in the summer, you get four years of him at a pretty decent price point where he will probably play on your second pairing. Yeah. It's not that it's not looking too bad now. Nope. No. And again, um, I just, I am hoping that Kim uh, and Ken Holland, the gymnast, uh, appears to negotiate your potential Klingberg deal, not Ken Holland, the uh, old school. Well, hopefully maybe Brad, yeah. his son, Brad can help him. <laughs> um, you know, the Kane stuff's going to come up too, right? Though I think if Kane moves, he'll probably go to the Rangers, but the Euler thing will come up too. Yeah. And, and I believe Friedman was mentioning uh, Jonathan Taze as an interesting option. Not for here, Euler. here? Here, here. Oh, God. What the here? Hell? I hope not. I, I don't Sorry. like it either. But Sorry, hold on a second. We I, just all sounded like the uh, seagulls from Finding Nemo. Yeah, I was like, what? Here, 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 no, I, on, the, on the latest, uh, I believe it was the 32 Thoughts with him and Merrick, um, he said, he mentioned Klingberg. He said, I think yeah. his prediction was Klingberg, Klingberg ends the season in Edmonton, which isn't surprising when you hear about the rumors that there was supposedly a sign and trade in place with the Montreal Canadiens to sign Klingberg and then trade him to Edmonton over the summer. Yeah. That fell apart. Um, oh, my my lamp is... Uh, I was going to say your lamp just fell apart. Yeah, my lamp fell apart. Let me turn my lights on here. <laughs> but yeah, the, there, going was, dark. <laughs> there was that um, sign and trade that was going to happen that fell apart. So that makes sense. I could see the Oilers being over that, all over that. Um, yeah. 
kind of a weird stylistic fit, but hey, if you're going for it, go for it. I, I, Is it I though? It. I don't know. Like, I know it's, again, it's a weird fit, I think. Half I guess it's upgrading Barry for a better Barry, right? So. But again, this fan base is so stuck in, again, and I, well, I get it because this is who they are. Hockey fans in general, Canadian hockey fans is particularly, Western hockey fans even more so. They all love Niemalainen. And yes. yeah, they need their big body. Like, he's fine. Like, I don't mind the kid, but he struggles in so many other areas. And people are like, oh, I... No, I, I, I don't see it. Well, if you don't see it, you're not paying attention. The guy, he can't make a pass. He's got a little better look like in the preseason, but he can't make a five-foot pass. He can't skate, and he struggles with speed. Yes, he can kill a cycle down low. He can punish guys, but he also does the nurse thing where he goes and seeks out hits, and then he's completely out of position, and it's a three-on-one down low. Yeah, but Rob, did you see the class rattle? Well, yeah, that's my favorite. Let's let's stop talking so about cool. our buddy Archibald. I I jumped oh, up and spilled half my beer when I saw that hit. <laughs> so worth it. Preston, stop baiting. Stop baiting, <laughs> Rob and I. That's it. Yeah, I'm just. But I'm I think that's where a guy like Holloway will help a lot because he will do that. He'll add that element, and yeah, Nurse will still do it. Like, and I think Nemo will play at times. Um, but yeah, like a guy like Klingberg, man. Woo. That would... oh, no, I'm not saying I'm against it. I if you're going for it, go for it. Yeah, Klingberg's a guy you you can that will that's a guy you get if you're going for it. So yeah. if and, you and you're not using him line, as a number one, right? Mm-hmm. You're knocking him down the depth chart, and what he does, he does extremely well. And with that much skill around him, he'll probably be even better. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and as I was mentioning later in the pod, um, they were talking about Chicago and their situation, how Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves would probably be moved uh they said yeah they connected patrick kane to the new york rangers probably the most likely bet reunites with panarin big city lights they're they're a good contending team makes sense for kane and then he said i know i'm trading everyone to edmonton on this podcast but i wonder about the oilers and jonathan taze i I don't really i really don't see a fit there especially where taze is in his career it's not like he's kane where he's still filling the net still doing the things he was doing great back in the glory years so i don't know if you want to go through the gym or the the cap gymnastics for a guy like taze who for the player he is now well if they move nuge then yeah you can bring Taves to be your third line center if not there's no there's no game of any sort because yeah he's not a fourth line center they don't need another center and if you move nuge you get off that contract i guess Taves is last year I, I, I do. I can't do remember if this know. is last year. It be, well, it would have to be because I know it's Kane's last year. And I think, yeah, I think they signed, yeah, I think they signed the same year. So, um, so that's something to keep an eye on. Um, I don't, that's I just crazy. Don't know, like, I know the Oilers may want to move Nuge's contract. I just don't know if I don't think they move what they want to move it for. I don't know if they want to move Nuge unless they get blown an offer that blows their minds. I don't think they they move Nuge. Well, they can't anyway. He's got a. I think he's got a full no move. So and it, yeah, he's well, not waving to Chicago. Well, he's not waving at all. If you've yeah. been here this long, yeah, on that deal, you're not waving. I will. I, will you, evoke- I, I am not going to lie. If you've been here for as long as Nuge has and suffered through some of the. Um, straight up atrocities that the Oilers have put on the ice with Nuge. You are not waiving your no movement clause at a time when your team is 
an, a legitimate, you know, potential contender. You're not, and you're not waving it to go to the Chicago. identical situation in Chicago. It's I, I, yeah. I, and I will evoke my, my irrational hockey fan card. I just don't want to see him go. I've grown attached to this guy. We've had so much turnover. Out of all the guys who make that money, I guess you could say nurse, I guess, because of what he makes, but Nuge is the one who's like drastically overpaid. Like yeah, he- I will I will agree with that. I will I will agree with that. The, the contract isn't gonna look good. Especially I for our cap situation. But when they paid Nuge, they paid break Nuge my heart. extra for pain and suffering. But they didn't, but I don't think they paid him because remember, a lot of people thought that he signed here at a discount which I don't think he did. Like, I think he would have got a little more on the open market, but I don't think he would have got the, what it would have been seven year max. He could have got, I don't think he would have got seven years. I think he would have got more, ter- more money up front, like per year, but I bet you, he would have got a five or a six year deal. So I think in the end, he I never, what he would have made. I never underestimate the brashness of a GM in free agency. True. I, but- I don't know. I don't, I, I agree with you. It, it, I think it would have been a hard sell for a lot. Yeah, but you know, I, I don't know. I, I think there like might I, have been someone you know, out there. Someone paid him seven, like I couldn't. I I can see him getting paid like six point five on the open market over yeah, yeah, for sure six, six years. I could I think someone would have paid that. Well, but that kind of almost works out to what he got in eight, is what I'm saying. Yeah, what so, he signed, true, right? So true. it's pretty close to the same thing. Yeah. To be honest, um, though, I think um, like it's an interesting what if game, but. A lot of it would have depended on exactly when he was in the market and what the valuations were there, right? Like, um, I guess the window is passed. You have Nuge. <laughs> like, um, is it the best contract? Maybe not uh, long term for the Oilers, um, but it did. You know, I'll give it this: it it did make a lot of fans who wanted that continuity, who had grown very attached to a player you know, who had lost a lot of players um, that they were deeply invested in, you know, a player that they were like, yes, we are keeping this one. You know, this one is, this one is our guy. Yeah. Like, like I was saying, um, when I was around 10 to 14, 15, I bought three jerseys. I got three jerseys. I wasn't buying jerseys. I didn't have money back then. I got three money now. Uh, barely barely i'm holding on but barely journalism isn't the most lucrative <laughs> of places but uh when i was between 10 to 15 which would have been the 2010 to 2015 seasons because it's easy to keep track of my age that way uh <laughs> born in 99 uh, a little yeah i got three jerseys i got three jerseys span and it was i think the first one was taylor hall and the second one was Jordan Eberly, and the third one was Nugent Hopkins. I don't wear the Hall and Eberlys as much. I still break out the Nuge, and it's yeah. still. You're right. It's 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 a sentimental thing. I will evoke my my irrational hockey hockey car hockey fan card and say I just don't want to see him gone. And I know the contract is going to suck, and it probably sucks right now. And we're in a we're in a cap crunch as it is, but yeah, I just I don't think it sucks terribly, but it does a little. Yeah. And, but the benefit he does give them, he gives them that buffer. If yeah. there's any injury, like it's, I still think he's a way better center than a winger. I've always said that. So, yeah. and I think him in that spot with McLeod will probably be good for McLeod. 
And it's a, it's a damn good third line. Yeah. Yeah. And with the potential of someone, you can move up into the second top yep. two lines if you need. Gives you options. Yep. And like part that. of the reason he's not the same offensive player he was, granted, a lot of it was on the power play right off the bat. So having McDavid changes that. But from the moment uh, Todd McClellan took over this team, they did their best to turn him into a two way, 200 foot center. Well, they have their 200 foot center. And he, they paid for him losing offense because he did. And then opportunity plays into it as well, right? He's a way better two-way player than he was before McClellan got here. Like, he just is. Like, it's not even a debate. Mm. He's, he's not stellar, but he's way better than he was. He's and not going to win himself. Really yeah, and he's really good on the PK. And, yeah, he serves a purpose on this team. It's just yeah. he makes a little too much. But, like you guys said, it's he's – it's minor considering the importance he has to the marketplace and probably inside that room as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, I think we're running a little bit long here. Um, I need to, oh, I need to, oh. I need to, I need to get to some work tonight. We're recording this at it's 10 44 PM right now. And I have stuff to do at 11. Uh, so we'll, we'll try to wrap this up here with some predictions. Cause I always, I always love the prediction game at the beginning of the season. Maybe it's not, as pure as we want it with a game in, but it's as close as we can get. Um, give me your, a bold prediction that uh, for the team this year and uh, give me a place in the division and how far we go in the playoffs. I will, I'll let you guys discuss who goes first. Jonah, how about it? Bold prediction. Uh they will play hockey well enough that I will stop hating hockey so much. Um, and I hope for their division, um, you know, I'd like them to be first, but no less than second in the division. I think anything else is just um, not going to make my bold prediction become true. So. Yeah, I'd say they're probably going to win the division would be my guess. Um, I think McDavid will score 150 points this year, and I also think they're going to win the cup this year. Awesome. Okay. Well, we, we agree there. I will, um, yeah. But however, <laughs> if healthy, if, if, if everything if, goes with health, obviously. <laughs> if they manage to make me stop hating hockey with all the news we've heard out of hockey, that is, in fact, a greater miracle than winning the cup. <laughs> I, I think all that news you hear is only going to just get worse. Now. Yeah, I know. It's going to go oh, it's straight up your prediction. Yeah, you I think a lot of people make me not hate your sport. Yeah. That will be a greater miracle than winning the cup. The thing that sucks with that, and the good thing about it though, is you're gonna have so many people come out of the woodwork that just weren't comfortable before that now will. No, and I agree with you, Rob. That yeah. it's a, a and very it sucks, but it's a good thing. It really a is very, very important area of creating space to activate change. Yeah, it has to happen. It pisses Here's me the- right off because people have been trying to create this change. For I don't know how many years have people been complaining about people like Orr and Hull and their behaviors in hockey, which is like, eh, boys will be boys, right? Yeah. Very Here's the thing I will say. Else, right? uh, I'm glad we're hearing about it now rather than not hearing about it. Yeah. It's it's I'm glad it's out now and people are not well, people are still going or suffering through yeah, the consequences of it. Of the I was gonna say yeah, some of it is out, like Rob said. Yeah. I expect you'll get a good deal more of it. I, I'm just glad that we're hearing about it and 
some sort of change is being enacted in some sort of way rather than the status quo continuing. Um, but anyways, uh, um, I'll get to, to my predictions. We always like to to shuffle into some serious topics and shuffle out of them really quick. Makes makes my job a little difficult. But It's a, uh, <laughs> it's a serious topic two-step. Um, just let's just, just go listen to our last podcast on Vertanen, um, who thank God is not here anymore. I won't spend any more time on it. I tell you though, how long did he last? He what lasted I way he too long. But he didn't get an AHL deal, uh, so. No, thank no. God. Um, so we can celebrate that at least. But if you want to hear a masterclass in me trying to transition topics, go go listen to that one. It was fantastic. Um, if you want to hear a masterclass in my favorite word in the English language, you can go there too. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> timeless, I will say. Classic uh, copper and blue pod for sure. Um, my bold prediction. And I know I know there's one Twitter account out there who's very a very smart gentleman. And I agree with him on a lot of stuff who analyzes goalies. If he listens to this podcast, he absolutely knows who he is. Um, he will hate this. He will disagree with me to the end of the earth. I think Jack Campbell will be a Vesna finalist. I think he will get in that top three this year. I think that's pretty bold. Uh, that um, is bold. I think it's bold, but... Bold. I think he's going to be really good, but that's bold. I will say, I, I was going all out. I think he will. If the Oilers... Because, you know, sometimes I'm not saying hell jack campbell will be will be better than the goalie other goalies that aren't nominated i'm not saying that i'm saying the other's gonna have a good enough season in front of him that's gonna make him look very good and that will put him into the vesna conversation by itself the thing you got to remember with that is because of the this is the same thing with gretzky back in the day because of the mcdavid and dry dry saddle overload he has to be really good in order to get the, even the nod for a nomination because really? they become tired of the whole oiler thing they will yeah no that's true i i think it, i think it happens though i think uh i won't go great. as far to say you will win it i'm because yeah that ain't happening igor shistorkin <laughs> uh Ilya sorokin and uh even thatcher demko and andre vasileski are very good bets to win it all and probably be nominated and i got i got him beaten at least two of them to yeah. the vote so it's already pretty pretty dicey i think the others will win the division I know a lot of people have Calgary. I'm, you know, they had, they, they really had good, enough good. Uh, yeah. they, I think they defeated the, or they're still playing the Colorado Avalanche Blast. I saw they were, they were winning. They won. I think it was five, two or five, yeah. three. So wait, good start. I am not convinced their offense got better. I think their offense still got worse. Their defense got better. Their goaltending is good, but will they be able to their score? Goaltending I'm is, not convinced. Uh, I'm not convinced they will. The goaltending is really good unless he plays Edmonton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, unfortunately at some I, point he may have to play yeah, Edmonton exactly. I, I, I know everyone's like oh they got Kadri I think Huberto is going to have a good year still I don't know if he'll have a 100 point year I think he'll have a good year still but is does he have good? to though true you know because I honestly think with these moves I think Sutter turns them more into a 3-2 team than they were last year they're still going to score Yeah, but yeah I think they're better I'm not convinced. Uh, and Kadri is another guy where I think he's due for major regression this year. I don't think he's going to have that year yet. Yeah, no, I don't think he's going to be like an 80, 90 point player in Calgary. But you know, the, the point, the, the, to your point, I think if they are going to be that good, it's going to come down to what they did on defense. Um, Mackenzie Weger is a fantastic player, a very good defenseman. He got underpaid on that contract. I think it's a on, good deal a, for Calgary. On a quick side note, cause I just saw it on the tube. 700s are uh, a thing of the 
the week in Alberta as today is uh, Sutter's 700th career victory behind the bench. Oh, geez. Yeah, McDavid getting the, the 700th uh, point in his career and Sutter yeah. following it up on the next day. Not to be one-upped, Calgary, with the 700 miles. It'll be definitely for hockey fans and let's say red deer a very interesting season <laughs> yeah um and and then my last prediction there because i'm running this i'm just making this longer for no reason um so we win the division jack campbell is a vesna finalist and i will also have the others winning the cup this year it feels different this year it feels like there's a something something's going to give in edmonton finally with mcdavid and dry they got the goalie that um yeah, he might not be the best goalie in the league, but he's going to be good enough to, to give him consistent goaltending on a night-in, night-out basis and not drop games like Smith and Koskinen also has done in the past. So I think the defense is, is, go, is not the greatest as well, but they will, they will persevere. And, and yeah, I have, them, I have them beaten. I think Friedman had the same prediction. I have them beaten Carolina. It has some payback. I don't think Carolina will get to the final. I just think there's something innately missing from that team come playoff time. They're really good, but I just, yeah, I don't think there's something. Florida, it, it comes down to if they can yeah, score. Yeah, well, it's, it's the only reason I, I can pick the Oilers is because of the two guys at the top, and especially McDavid, right? And Carolina doesn't have that. So yeah. they have a really good team. They have some really good players, but in certain series, they just – they're like Toronto in a way. They find a way to lose series that they should win. Mm-hmm. So, although That's I already knew we'll Toronto done. does something this year, like at least around, like you would think, for God's sake. I thought that. I thought, I've been thinking that the last three years, and they've. Yeah. So. <laughs> I enjoy it. I like it. I, I like seeing seeing that Toronto fans in agony. And I do have a question for you guys. Last week, I wrote a column that uh, on good old Copper and Blue that I think they could have the Oilers could have three fifty goal scores. Do you think – how close do you think they get to that? I think they'll have two for sure. Oh, yeah. I think McDavid – this is the year McDavid hits the 50 mark. I think Drysaddle could one-up himself this year. Who knows? Even 60, I don't think, is out of the know. range. That's a lot of goals, man. For, for Drysaddle, <laughs> what do you have last year? Like 54, 55? Yeah, but if McDa- I think McDavid will score 55, 56. Yeah, so that could take away from from Drysaddle's goal t- total just because yeah. McDavid might be a little more selfish. Because if they can do it, they'll become – only the third team ever. And the other two times were both Oiler teams. But no other team in history has had three. If, if Kane can get up there somehow. And if only two of them do it, I think it was 20, 25 teams have done it in history. Yeah. And I think the last one was the Penguins in the mid-90s. Kane is pushing it, I think. I Kane think he could. can get 40. I think he can get 40. Oh, I think he'll get 40 easy. Again, I don't know. If held. It, it, I think, I, I'm yeah. certainly hoping for I it. Think, I'm certainly cheering um, for it. What do you think, Shona? It will all depend on health. Yeah, if healthy, what do you think, Shona? I think that if healthy, um, you know, with a few uh, really spectacular blowouts uh, scattered through, it's not out of the realm of possibility for all three of those guys to get 50. Like, you know, do I think they're all going to be comfortably 50? No, I think, you know, a couple of them might be squeakers at the end of the season where it's like, oh, you know, a couple of our guys are sitting on like 48 or 49. Let's try to get into 50. And then that giant big push um, that sometimes happens. But I, I don't think it's outside of their own possibility. I don't think it's like one of those easy peasy, you know, everyone's to 50 and there's no controversy or, or, or excitement to it. But 
I do definitely think that McDavid and Dreisaitl have a better than average chance of both getting 50. And I think, you know, it's not out of the realm of, God, I'm going to wretch again. It's not out of the realm of possibility that Kane gets 50. Yeah, Yeah, that power play, that's the thing. It's Yeah, and if you get enough team, if you get a few teams that let them have a lot of power plays, you know, because they're playing, because they don't have any other way to counter them, and then you pick up a fair number of uh, of goals that maybe aren't going to happen five on five. Right? I'm glad they finally have turned into the Red Wings of the the championship days, where Detroit would like you know dare teams to put them on the power play, and that's what it's like now with the Oilers. It, it really is like yeah, it's power plays. I, I can't fathom how they fell off last year because of how hot they were to start. And it's good. But they were still third for God. They, they were still good. Like <laughs> them like, falling off was like another team's average. Like, yeah. Like it was crazy. They fell off there good. and they sucked and they still ended up third. And then they were scary in the playoffs. Yeah. And um, you know what? If, if, if Kane wants to hit 50, it's going to be a, a lot of that's going to be power play too, I think. Um, and empty netters. And empty Didn't netters. I just say that? If he decides to take them, netters. if he decides to shoot them in the net, then yes. I, but here's the thing, Preston, <laughs> I think as, as the season goes on and that becomes a possibility, I think that that's going to happen. Like yeah. he's going to take that shot, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I didn't last night for a very particular reason. Um, kudos to him. Um, but, oh, fuck me. Um, but, <laughs> It hurt. It hurt coming out of your uh, coming out of your mouth there. I could tell. Oh, yeah, I did. Um, kudos burned. <laughs> ghost pepper variety. Um, kudos, ghost pepper. But I think that you know once once those thing once those milestones start appearing, I think what you're going to start to see is um, even the Oilers as a team start. Sometimes it's not just the wins or where you place in the division. It's those particular milestones that the teams like to come together to try to get for players. And I think when it becomes when it becomes a possibility for McDavid to have 50 goals or for Dreisaitl or for Kane or for any combination of them, the team is going to pull together to try to get there. So I yeah. think that there's a better than well, – yeah, I think that there's – I think Rob's right that there's a better average, than average choice that they may have 50, 350 goal scorers, you know, uh, other numbers may suffer, you know, your Hyman numbers or your news numbers, but I think that there's a there's a better than better than nothing chance there. I that, think the Oilers Bob, have. You just made me say nice things about Kane. I think I the really Oilers have uh, six twenty plus goal scores this year as well, unless I'm missing someone. Six. I think that's, that's six. a lot. There's 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 the three. The, Are we counting defensemen or just uh, forwards? No, I'm counting. For, I'm just counting forwards. Okay. I've got Shard could, I guess. He he could. I don't know if he gets there this year. Six, but six. He could. Um, so I who have you got for the six. I got McDavid, obviously Drysaddle Kane, the Givens. I yeah. got Zach Hyman. I think yeah. he gets twenty again. I got. I think Kyler Yamamoto repeats if he plays uh, most of the games. And I got Puliyarvi because he. I don't think he's out for an extended period of time this year. He had what fifteen, sixteen last year. I think if he played the entire season, he would have had twenty. Um, so if he gets that same opportunity that he got last year, I think he can hit the 20 mark. At the and very many, least, I think he can repeat as like. How a, many is Nuge and Holloway and those guys getting? Nuge, uh, like you said, he's sacrificed offense. I think he clocks in around f- between 14 to 17. Um, Holloway, 
we'll see. He could, if he has a hell of a season, he could hit 20. Um, I don't think that's out of, the, out of question, but I, I think we'll he ultimately, seven. I think he, he ultimately lands just outside of it. Six is a lot. It is. It's a, the Oilers are a goal scoring team this year. And I think that could easily be. I have the ghost Corey pass. If things roll the right way for a few players. Preston, I have the ghosts of Corey Pass talking about running gun hockey in my head. Oh, yeah. He loved running gun. <laughs> Preston has to go do an actual job now. This yeah, is no, I, I got that done while we were podcast. talking, actually. I sent it off. So we're, we're, good. we're not in so much of a rush. But yeah, it, well, sounds like, it seems like a natural place to end things off here. Um, six, eh? Now I'm stuck on this six. That's a lot. If I think three of them are going to get 50, that's 150 right there. Yeah. Like, how I, many goals are we talking? The Oilers are going to – I don't know. The total – I'd have to look Dynasty, up season pass. They're scoring more last year, though. was four or whatever it was, 440, 450, 430, whatever the hell they were at those in those years. So – I think the Oilers challenge it, man. No. No way. I think – hear that. I think you – know, What do I have last year? I need some reference here. Charitably, I think you could be high to, you know, like not – it would be a stretch goal, but high 200s to like low 300. Like if you got a couple, like I said, games where you really blew your competition out of the water, you know, we had, we saw some in the NHL last year where it was, you know, eight, nine goals in a game. I the winners will be comfortably over three. That I don't doubt, but four. Okay. Last year they scored 290. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's with that low. Like there was three. I, I remember that I am the... Uh, Panthers scored 340. Panthers, Florida, Florida Panthers results here, friend? 350. 350 at least. 350, you think? This team is so... I, 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 there's just so, okay, so many people who can score on this damn team. If they do 350, and let's say those three do 150 between them, however the hell they get there, let's say 150. So that leaves... Maybe 160 goals. if you want them over. Yeah. You're making me do math, man. For the rest of them. It's a lot of goals. That is a lot of goals. <laughs> and their defense doesn't score much. Like maybe maybe I'm out of my length here. Math is hard. I don't want to do it. It's too late to do math. But but Sean is right, though, because I think there are going to be games this year where they, like, destroy teams. Like, I really do. And in some of those games, I think it won't just be McDavid with, like, six points. I think it might be those guys, three or four points. And then you'll see the other guys with two three point nights, right? Point wise, I think that you're gonna have you're gonna see a lot of guys have just ridiculous seasons. I think all the guys you mentioned, Preston, should have decent points seasons, whether they have whatever their goal is, yeah. whatever however many goals they have. I think that you're gonna see Nurse. Um, I'm not gonna talk about his goals, but like he likes to be up in the play. I think he's gonna pick up points. I think Barry's gonna pick up points. You know. I think Bouchard could eclipse. Bouchard should be picking up points, but I think that you've got players like Hallway, you've got players like Nuge, Yamamoto, and if he plays Fogel, that you know what? If they are not the first assist, they're at the very least they're part of that play. They're picking up points as second assists. Now I know second assists are kind of garbagey points, but they're still points in a person's scoreline. So I do think that you're going to see a lot of Oilers this year with a lot of points. But I like to live in pessimism, so I'm not going too much over last year's goal to <laughs> Yeah, it's it's going to be a fun year. I think this is one of the the the, the years I had the most 
angst to get started just because of how fun this team is looking on the ice. And hey, if they go out and get Klingberg at the trade deadline or before, if they go out, hey, well, if they swing for the fences, what if they do get Patrick Kane? I know. No. (laughs) No. From a a pure pure hockey standpoint, it's, oh, it would be so much fun. I know. I know. I know. Nope. They have used up all my tolerance. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't right. I don't know how well the Kane thing would go. Like it would yeah. go over with a large chunk of the fan base quite well. But there I are think some that, where, yeah, I honestly think that um the final one. You have to look at I think you'll have to look at the, the situation of the hockey world at that time. We've all taught or we've all mentioned that we think it'll get worse before it gets better. And I think that if the hockey world is in that kind of upheaval around social impacts bringing in a player with a long record of assholery. I should add, we should add another, 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 yes. Another player with a long record of assholery outside of, um, you know, uh, sexual assault and violence against women allegations would probably be a poor move. Um, The Vertanen thing got way more backlash than I thought it was going to actually. Um, for which I was very glad, um, you know. So, yeah. I and think that that doesn't fit. That doesn't fit the type of move I see Holland doing, anyways. Well, and they don't need like unless there's an injury. That's not what they. The yeah, D, they need defense. The D is far more pressing. Mm-hmm. Well, again, it's value for money, and I don't think that individual is the value for money that the Oilers need to be spending their magical cap bucks on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I've tried to end this podcast like four times and we keep we keep going on, on, on other tangents. That's my fault too. I, I think I've I've ruined my own ending like three times. So can't really say much. But I, I think this is where we'll 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 put a pin in it. We talked a, a lot about uh just everything. I think we talk longer than I thought we would. So as it usually goes, lots to say. Don't think you have lots to say until you actually start start saying it right so sure. um, yeah so uh, I think we're going to try to be doing weekly things I say that every year and it always kind of goes to shit so uh, we'll try to keep to a weekly thing um, if we miss a week here and there don't be surprised but uh, we should be doing pods pretty regularly this year um, it should be a fun Edmonton Oilers season I'm looking forward to uh, to another season chatting with you guys so yeah, thanks for for listening, you guys, and uh, we'll we'll hopefully talk to you uh, next next week. Yep. Day to be determined. Day yeah, to be day, determined. Day to be determined. We tried doing this podcast like three times this week, and today was the only night that uh, it came to fruition. So yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, like I said, hopefully we can talk to you next week.